0: We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com Registered Training Organisation 31352 Today I'd like to introduce Simon Cale, who we all know as an international three-day event competitor. He's also, as well as being a three-day event competitor, he's competed in dressage, in show jumping and show horse or hacking. And Simon's been a recipient of the Australian Medal for Sports. Simon, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And you? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Good. Simon, I'd like to talk to you first about your favourite inspirational quote. And I've got here, the harder you work, the luckier you get.
1: Uh, yes, I like that because I always think that everyone says how lucky you are, but a lot of the time it comes from hard work, not mm. from luck. Mm, mm. That's why I like it. I'm particularly interested in this one because I was talking to Sue
0: Leslie yesterday and she had the same same one. (laughs) So I don't know if the two of you have been talking or or the two of you just both agree, but I I, I agree with you anyway. I I think so. I think it's very easy for people to say, oh yeah, sure, they've got it because of this, and then make an excuse why they haven't achieved certain things.
1: Absolutely. You just have to work for things. Nothing Mm. comes easy. Mm -hmm.
0: Simon, uh, tell me a little bit about when you first started to ride,
1: your earliest memories. I had moved here from England with my family. My father was a dairy farmer and I had a property and my father started to deal in horses. So I just used to ride them. He would buy them at the Parramatta Stalls on the Friday. Mm-hmm. I'd ride them on the Saturday and he'd sell them on the Sunday.
0: Oh, okay. So you had certainly right from the very early stages, you had a big variety of horses.
1: Yes, lots of horses.
0: And yeah. how old were you then? Twelve. Okay. So from being 12, and I know that you ended up back in the UK to do some study, when did you make that decision to become a professional within the horse industry?
1: When I did my high school certificate at 18, I was actually going to be a lawyer, but I decided to take a year off and travel to England to be trained to be trained as a coach. Yes, because we had nothing in Australia at the time. Mm-hmm. So while I was there, I decided that I wanted to do that as my career. But I was a little concerned with my father, mm-hmm. and when I said to him I wanted to do it, he said he didn't mind just be good at whatever I did. So that's when. So probably I was, I was probably nineteen.
0: That's great and great support from the parents to say something like that
1: oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. I had my father's total support in whatever yeah. I did.
0: Yep. All right. Now, if you're going to be talking to, um, because you coach a lot of students and you coach a lot of them who do go on and become professionals and become very good riders as well. If you've got someone that you're coaching who's in high school and they're thinking about a career and you're talking to their parents, what are the core skills that you think people need to
1: commence a career with horses? I think you have to have a basic knowledge of the discipline that you want to work in. I mean, if you want to be a show horse coach, you need to know basically about show horse. Um, if you want to be an eventing coach, you have to know about eventing. I also believe that you need to have a very good horse management skills as well because you've got to know the mechanics of the horse. You have to know how to look after the horse separate from the student.
0: So really, once someone becomes a coach, that's really their first step, isn't
1: it? They've got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think when you look at, let's call it an introductory coach or a foundation coach, it's very important that people realise that's the beginning of their career. It's not the end. And I think that people need to train to be coaches. Like when I was younger, I went to England to do my AI and then I went back to England again to do my I. But I trained a lot. Not as a rider, but as a coach.
0: Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. Now, I'm thinking about some of the riders that you've coached. And I think one, I think Maurice Bruce, was Was he 35 before he started riding?
1: Yeah, I think he was somewhere around there. He could have been a little bit older. I'm not sure. Okay. But around 35. He um, started with a, a lady called Mrs. McPhee, who owned a local riding school in Nara, and then when he wanted to start competing, he came to me. But he had done some initial riding prior to coming to me, but no competition.
0: But he certainly excelled. He certainly went on and became quite good at
1: oh, what ab- he did. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he went to the World Cup final. Mm-hmm. I think he might have gone twice. I'm not sure. And he went to the World Championship. So, yes, he did become very good <laughs> And he and, and he did it on horses that he had bred or had had from false, Okay. And what do you think makes a difference? Because lots and lots of
0: people start off in the horse industry and only a few go on and excel. And especially someone who started as late as him but still went on to be, you know, one of the top ones in the world, riding yeah. at a high level. What do you think are the keys to excelling
1: and in, into that? It's the competitive edge that you need that you have a desire to do extremely well. Like Maury was a very good rugby player. He was a very good golfer before he became an equestrian. So it's the mindset to want to be very, very good. Like at the moment I'm teaching a um, a pentathlete called Marina Carrier She's only been riding for 18 months, and she's just been ranked seventh in the world as a junior mm-hmm. and 31st in the world, and she has the same, the desire to do extremely well. Mm-hmm. You've got to want to be better than everyone else. Yep. And that's yep. why some of the very successful athletes really aren't that easy to get along with because, <laughs> because they, they want to be better than everyone else. You have mm-hmm. to be, have that desire
0: okay now the mindset that you're talking about you know you first of all you start off with the basic knowledge and of the discipline that someone wants to go and coach in the basic knowledge of the horse management looking after the horse but the mindset what percentage do you think is mindset and what do you think is the knowledge I mean you know where's the balance there
1: I think the mindset becomes more important in the actual competitive field. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think it's that much important in the coaching. I think with the coach, coaching, you have to have a desire to want to teach people. It's not that killer instinct. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. the riding, I think that killer instinct makes you then want to learn mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have to learn to be better than anyone else. You can't okay. not learn. So it works in conjunction.
0: Yep. All right. Now, as a, because you do a lot of judging as well. So, as a judge, say as a dressage judge, what do you think is a very common mistake that you feel like you just want to get out there and teach people how to fix this common mistake to improve their scores?
1: Not so much as a dressage judge, but as a coach, I mm. think a major problem is that the horses aren't ridden to start within a rhythm. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, that they aren't ridden forward. You see a lot in some of the disciplines that the horses pulled together rather than pushed together. Mm -hmm. The back doesn't go to the front. The front comes to the back. And I think that's a major problem. Okay. And that needs to be worked on. With the judging, I do a lot more judging of show horses like at royal and national level then I, I, I don't do that much dress
0: Is that the same problem in show horse though?
1: In show horse, no, that's not the main thing. Uh, okay. The horses go differently. In show horse, what I believe is a major problem is that we're getting a lot of people in the industry that don't have a horse background. Mm-hmm. So maybe they buy their way into the industry. And I think that becomes a little bit of a problem. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Now,
0: the problem that you were talking about with, you know, riding as a coach, does that flow through into jumping and eventing or is it different because the adrenaline's a bit higher and the horses are going forward anyway? Is that, you know, that –
1: You have different problems. I think in eventing, which you need to ride hundreds of horses – to be able to ride extremely well at say three and four star level. And maybe we don't have up and coming riders that are riding a lot of horses. Mm -hmm. In the jumping, I think Australia, we do have a lot of people that are coached extremely well. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the, you see the basic, the up and coming riders now all have coaches and they're all coached exceptionally well. Like in show jumping, there's very few competitors that wouldn't have a coach of a high standard. Like the Australian Championships, we have just held it a few weeks ago. And if you've got 10 people warming up, you've got six coaches because one of them, two of them have got two people each. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see a lot of very good coaching in the show jumping. I think Australia, with our younger generation, they're starting to come through extremely well. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Now, you've ridden a lot of horses, you know, starting off with when you were 12-year-old and, you know, you sort of getting them getting them on the Friday and then riding them and then selling them. Is there horses that have stood out
1: that have really influenced you? Uh, yes. I had a, a very small coloured horse called Colour Unlimited, which my wife actually um, sent to me to break in and then her and I started going out and then we got married. Okay. And he was a very good horse because he was a coloured horse, which 30 or 40 years ago people didn't ride coloured horses. Mm-hmm. And he was a very, very good horse. He went up to Advance, which is the equivalent of three-star now. And then I had a, an Appaloosa horse called Mr. Jimmy Mop, who was a, a very, very good horse as well, and I really enjoyed him. And I had a horse owned by a fellow called Ernie Sparham, who was Cobadoro who was by Chico Doro, that Chug owned. Yep. His mother was a trotter. He was a great horse. He was horse of the year for me. And then I had Kasiba, the foundation sire of all of the horses that I've got here now, and I won the Australian Championships with him, so I have a soft spot for him as well.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. But there were many of them. Yes, <laughs> had lots yes. Of lovely yes, horses, sure. yeah. yeah. What's your proudest moment? I think my proudest moment was when I jumped clear in my first four-star at Burley because I always said that I could do it. And you're a very fortunate person to get to live your dream. My dream was always to ride in four-star mm-hmm. and I got to do it. So it, was, one, it was wonderful. It was wonderful.
0: Good, good, good. All right. Can you recommend a book for our listeners?
1: Any of the books by Ingrid Klimke. I think are uh, excellent. If you're talking about riding and training horses and doing anything, I mean any of her books are very, very good or her father's books okay. Uh fantastic or, you know, The Principles of Riding, the German Handbook. It's an excellent book. If you only want to buy one book in your whole life, buy yep. that one. Yep. Okay.
0: I'm going to ask you then to pull something out of one of those books and explain a bit more information about it.
1: Well, Ingrid Klimka talks a lot about the use of Cavalettis and she has very, very, very good exercises to do it. And when she has all of her horses do a lot of Cavaletti work. And when she came to Australia for Dressage with the Stars, it was really obvious that a lot of our Dressage horses don't do Cavaletti work because when she's working with them, the people were appalled. <laughs> she had them going over poles and Cavaletti work. But she has superb exercises in her books. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't go wrong by following them.
0: Okay. All right. Now, just going back to your competitions, you know, because I think that – look, we started you off early because we want to know that the luck that you've had is from hard work and that everyone starts off, you know, they've got to learn. They've got to learn, first of all, here how to even rise to the trot. But within competitions, because you've competed at quite a high level, have you made any mistakes that you think, oh, how on earth did
1: I make that mistake? Looking back on it, I think I made hundreds, like every Every year I would think if I knew what I knew now, the horses that I owned last year would be so much better. (laughs) Sure. I mean, that happened the whole way along. There was nothing that I did that I can look back and think, I wish I never did that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing for that. I I can look back and wish I was better. Mm -hmm. And I was very fortunate to have a lot of support from my wife when I was competing because it it was very, very difficult. Because we weren't wealthy, Mm -hmm. and it was it was quite difficult. But I I was very lucky to be so well supported.
0: Okay, and you've got horses in work at the moment.
1: Yes, I have. I have a warm blood stallion, um, Fox Grand Cathargo Lot, who's he was the seven year old young horse show jumper. at he won at the um, international competition at Sydney. He's now doing dressage with Megan Bright. Mm-hmm. And I've got a cup I've got four or five young horses as well. And my wife and I have bred a couple of colored warm bloods mm-hmm. and we've got a, a lovely three year old that's in work. So we have half a dozen horses. They keep us busy. Okay. And do you have anyone else helping you? Just you and your wife? No, just Owen and myself. Okay. And that makes it a little difficult. We do sometimes have people come here to train for their NCS certificates Mm -hmm. and they help me as well. But mostly we do it ourselves.
0: What do you plan to do in the future? You know, same thing or have you got other set goals that you want to?
1: I plan, no, I plan to gradually wind down and I would like to spend more time with my wife and doing things that she would like to do because, for forty years, we've done exactly what I like to do. So I like, I'd like to be able—I'd like to be able to do what she'd like to do. Okay, that's that's. Wonderful. Whether that will happen is another thing. But anyway, <laughs> I'd like to do it. Okay, okay,
0: all right. So, just your philosophy, you know, and if we want to go back to the philosophy about the luck and the hard work, or just something that the listeners can take away with today and go away and go, wow, I, I learned something today, and they can improve their life because Um, they've listened to you.
1: Yeah, I think it's very important that you surround yourself with people that have the same ideas as you. And if you're going to go to a coach, you need to go to one that thinks like you think. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important. If Like people that know me, it's no surprise that timid people don't normally come to me for training. <laughs> but you, you you need to go to people that you want to be like. If yes. you see someone and say, I want to be like that person, mm-hmm. that's the person you should go to. Mm-hmm. Because like like works very well with like. Yep. And I think it's very important, especially when you're learning and on trying to improve your Christian pursuits, mm-hmm. that you remember that it is actually about you, okay. which is very important. It's not about all the other people that are around you, it's about you, mm-hmm. and you should remember that. Okay. All right.
0: Now, how can people contact
1: you? And they can contact me by phone. If they Google me, they'll see my phone number anywhere. Yep. Or they can contact me by email. Okay. And my email, I'm sure you have it, but it's at foxgroundstables at com.
0: Yep. All right, and I'll put that on the show notes page. And for those who'd like that information, and also Facebook, Simon, I can put that on?
1: Yes, yep. yes, you
0: can. Yep. Okay, for those people that want the information, it'll be on horsechats.com slash Simon Kale. All right, Simon, thanks very much for your time, and it has been great talking to you. I really enjoyed it, and hopefully everyone else has listened and um, enjoyed it as well, and t- got some great learnings from you. Well, I hope so. But we'll... We'll see. Okay. Thanks, Simon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature. And do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.